Hey folks, and welcome back to the Theopolis Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Motes, and I'm the content manager at Theopolis Institute. Theopolis trains men and women to lead cultural renewal by renewing the church. Participants in our programs learn to read the Bible imaginatively, worship God faithfully, and engage the culture intelligently. In this episode, we are continuing on in our series in the Book of Acts, and here Peter Lightheart, James B., John, Alistair Roberts, and Jeffrey Myers will be discussing Acts 24, where Paul is before Felix at Caesarea, and he is then kept in custody. Do check out those links in the show notes, specifically the link to our YouTube channel. We'd love for you to subscribe and hit the bell there so that you can be notified whenever a new video comes out every week. We are currently 20 episodes into our series, Walking Through the Book of Revelation with Peter Lightheart, and we really think you'll be helped by it. Also, do remember the Theopolis Liturgy and Psalter is out. This contains the liturgies that we use during our Theopolis Fellows program, as well as our intensive courses, as well as 40-plus psalms set for chanting by Jim Jordan. And you can find a link to that Psalter in the show notes. We really hope that you enjoy this conversation. We want to thank you so much for listening. And here are Peter Lightheart, Alistair Roberts, Jeffrey Myers, and James B. John discussing Acts 24. Welcome to the Theopolis Podcast. I'm Peter Lightheart. I'm here today with Alistair Roberts, James B. John, and Jeff Myers. Brian Motes, we're grateful to Brian for uh, being in the background every week and making sure that everything gets recorded. Uh, not as easy as one might think. Uh, there are technical glitches galore, uh, but Brian does a great job of making sure we can get everything recorded and edited and uh, out to our audience. Uh, we are continuing our studies in the book of Acts, and uh, we're closing in on the last few chapters of Acts. This week, we're going to be talking about Acts chapter 24. This is Paul's appearance before Felix, uh, and this is in Caesarea in the aftermath of Paul's escape from Jerusalem, which we talked about in the last episode. Uh, There's a conspiracy against Paul uh, to kill him, uh, to assassinate him. He learns of it, informs the commander who whisks him away by night to Caesarea, and he's now in uh, the keeping of the Roman authorities in Caesarea. But the Jews have come down from Jerusalem to uh, bring charges against him and to bring the case uh, before the Roman official Felix. A couple things to note at the beginning here. Uh, this is a, another of a series of defenses that Paul gives, and perhaps the one where he most directly responds to the charges of the Jews uh, in some of the other defenses he's been, he focuses on theological questions. And in his, in the first speech that we have in this section of Acts, he uh, is, uh, reviews the, his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He does the same thing in chapter 26 when he's before Agrippa. But in this, in this case, he actually rebuts the charges that are being brought by the chief priests and the elders uh, through the rhetor uh, named Tertullus. Paul's making his defense before a Roman authority, and the charges, I think, are relevant to the Roman authority, the way that Tertullus spins the charges, they make Paul out to be a threat to Rome, not just a not just a Jewish sectarian or heretic. But it's I think it's uh, it's important to notice how Paul continues to try to identify himself with Judaism and he's continuing to defend himself against the charge that he's abandoned his the faith of his forefathers. And instead, on the contrary, he says, uh, I worship the God of my fathers. I believe the law and the prophets. I believe everything in the law and the prophets. And the issue at stake is the issue of the resurrection. My hope is in the resurrection, which should be the hope of all Israel. That in Paul's understanding, 
in the apostles' understanding, the resurrection is what Israel has always been hoping for. And Paul just is continuing that hope and claiming that that hope has been realized in the resurrection of Jesus. He's not anti-Jewish. He's a Jew following following the way, uh, and he's a Jew who is continuing in the, the worship of his ancestral God, the God of his fathers, and uh, continuing the faith of his fathers. So there's a there's a that that's partly a defense before the Roman authorities because he's associating himself with with a, a recognized religion, the Jew, Jewish religion. At the same time, he's still appealing, even in this Roman uh, Roman uh, Gentile setting, he's still appealing appealing to the Jews, and in a sense, calling them to follow and to to worship the God of their fathers in truth. One thing we've noted at various points within our discussion of the Book of Acts are the parallels between the Book of Acts and the Book of Luke. And here, I think, we're seeing part of a larger structure of parallel, where in the Gospel of Luke, there are two hearings before the governor and two trials before the governor and a a trial before a Herodian ruler. And then there's a preliminary hearing um, before the Sanhedrin. And in Paul's story, we have exactly the same thing, two hearings before governors um, and then a hearing before a Herodian ruler and then there's a preliminary hearing before the Sanhedrin. And as part of this, we're also seeing the degree of attention that's given to these things. The last, I think about a quarter of the, the end of Luke's gospel is given to these trials and you see a similar proportion of the book of Acts given to this extended treatment of Paul's trials, which present the larger work in a more forensic framework. So on the one hand, you have the travel narratives, which are prominent within both Luke and Acts, which frame the story as a prophetic journey from one destination to another. And then you have the trial narratives that present it as a question of justice and truth, And in both of these ways, Luke's narrative structure is designed for a theological purpose. It is telling, uh, looking at the first eight verses here, to recognize just how big a deal, how big of a deal Paul was. And the fact that they rushed over to Caesarea in five days, that the high priest himself came, Ananias. Uh, they hired, they lawyered up with Tertullus. Um, and then they trump up these, even if they're trumped up charges, nevertheless, they think that Paul is a huge threat to them. Uh, and Alistair just mentioned the connection with uh, Luke's record of Jesus' trial. Uh, the same thing there. The rulers of the Jews recognize that Jesus was a huge threat. And here Paul is a big deal. Uh, I'm afraid sometimes we think that the Christian faith, uh, the the way, as Paul will call it here in a few verses, was just a small, basically, sect or a cult uh, within Judaism. But it has massive implications, and the high priest knows this. And apparently now the Romans are beginning to realize uh, the extent of the influence of Paul, not only in Jerusalem, but um, you know, all through Judea and around the world. Yeah, and Tertullus plays that up. Uh, the Roman 
Paul's a prominence as as a figure in the Roman world. Um, he describes him as being a kind of pestilence, a plague, a real pest is mm-hmm. the way the American Standard uh, describes it. Not just a real pest to the Jews, but a person who uh, creates dissension uh, and uh, violence in the Roman Empire, who, who threatens the, uh, the peace of Rome, uh, desecrating a temple. That you could say that's a Jewish issue, but it, a desecration of a temple is a is a public issue that the Romans would have to attend attend to. So he's spinning the charges to uh, make him so that Felix will perceive that uh, that Paul is a threat to threat to Rome, not just a threat to Judaism. And again, the irony that we we noted last time, the irony is that all the things they're accusing Paul of doing are the things that the Jews, in fact, have been doing. Uh, they're the ones who've been conspiring to murder. They're the ones who have created mob mob uproars and riots so the charges are hypocritical and they're they're charging paul with doing the very things that they've been doing so how about paul's defense here he starts off with um a rebuttal of the charges against him by the jews said you know they can't really prove what they're saying um uh, i didn't really do what they said what they're saying I did, but then he, he, he transitions quickly to a confession of the way and the worship of the God of his fathers and one who believes everything about the law and um, the prophets and has a hope in God, which these men themselves accept. And then that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust so I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. That is that is a maybe surprising statement as a summary of uh, his his faith, his his trust, his his way of life. Does anybody else find that to be somewhat surprising? What's the surprising part that? Uh the, the belief in the resurrection of the righteous, the general resurrection is the motivation to keep his conscience clear. Is that what you, that connection, is that what you're saying is surprising? Part of it, yes. Um, uh, recognizing, too, again, that he has the uh, the Jews here listening to him, mm-hmm. um, this, the general resurrection and the connection with uh, taking pains to have a blameless conscience toward both God and and man, this is, I guess this is something we're not as maybe as Protestants, not used to um, uh, saying or connecting often enough. Uh, I'm thinking back to John chapter five, where Jesus talks about uh, the resurrection and connects it with a judgment of both uh, the evil and the good, mm. where men will be judged for their works, whether evil or good. Um this is this is this is going to happen again, if I'm not mistaken, when Paul is talking to um, who is it? Paul is talking to Felix. Yeah, in private, he also talks about um, the coming judgment and self-control. And Felix gets alarmed and says, "Get out of here! I don't want to hear about this anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about that later." Right. So this this emphasis on the coming resurrection of both the just and the unjust and the implications that has for the way we live right now. Um, 
as Paul puts it in verse 16. Yeah. Well, I think the maybe the surprising thing is the the emphasis that Paul places on that because that seems integral to his to the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing in a- Athens mm-hmm. when he uh, speaks on uh, Mars Hill. He ends with a statement about the resurrection, and but it's a, that statement about the resurrection of Jesus is a statement about the appointed judge who will judge uh, all mm-hmm. men. So that I think that maybe that's the thing that would be unusual for evangelical Protestants, probably that uh, the gospel includes this threat of final judgment, uh, and that's integral to. I think it's you know earlier earlier generations I don't think had as much reserve about that, uh, but it does seem like that that dimension of the gospel message has been uh, has been muted. Paul seems quite concerned to draw. Um, attention to just the circumstances surrounding his arrest. He was only twelve. It was only twelve days that um, intervened from his first arrival in Jerusalem to his being brought to Caesarea, and so that's not enough time to foment any sort of revolution. He wasn't surrounded by a crowd or uh, other things within the temple prior to um, everything blowing up. Um, he had just completed a vow. And so his hair is still cut short, um, which would be evidence in itself. Then there's there are all these other supporting witnesses that would have been still in Jerusalem at that time, even if it was the time of the feast. Not everyone would have gone back. It would be easy to get evidence in his favor and easy to prove the lack of evidence against him. Um, it was all fairly recent. And so I think that aspect of his argument really demonstrates that the claims against him are not just unjust, they're quite implausible on the face of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in fact, uh, Tertullus doesn't really attempt to provide any evidence for the claim. He ends his, his speech with, uh, you can examine him yourself concerning these matters. You will be able to ascertain the things of which we accuse him. That's in verse 8. So, um, and I, on a particular point that uh, uh, related to what you were saying, Alistair, yeah, the, the people who were uh, who observed Paul in the temple, who had him arrested in the temple, they're still in Jerusalem, and they aren't there in the court. They aren't the ones accusing him. Paul mentions that uh, verse eighteen and nineteen. Certain Jews from Asia who ought to have been present before you and to make accusation, if they should have anything against me, the the Jews from Asia are the ones who spotted him in the, in the temple. They're the ones that have been tracking him in their uh, anti, uh, anti-evangelistic anti travels. Uh, they followed him all the way to Jerusalem. They're the ones who saw him in the temple and began to accuse him of desecrating the temple. And they're not even present in the court. So the, the very people who have most direct knowledge of what Paul actually did are absent. So I think that's, a you know, as you said, it's a he's got a, um, a strong uh, case on the basis of the facts and uh, make Tertullius's accusations implausible. Just coming back to Jeff's comment, I'm struck by the fact that Paul says uh, here that he has a clear conscience before not only God, but man as well. And he can make the same claim in Ephesus that he hasn't been blaspheming foreign religions or anything. And that that's quite challenging and striking to me. I'm considering at, at the moment, um, as I guess many other people, when it might be right or even obligatory for a christian to disobey civil authorities and um i don't have a a kind of 
easy off pat answer to that but i think one consideration to bear in mind is that when you do maintain uh, legal requirements um you can have that conscience and you can for instance write to um what in england i guess we call mps i'm, I'm not sure what the equivalent is in in the colonies <laughs> but um we, we can write and we can say look our church has complied with the restrictions to date kind of thing but we're now asking you know or saying this has gone on long enough and, and that clear conscience um can be quite important in a legal framework which is what pulls in here he's given a giving a public defense of himself so this conscience before man is an important pillar in his argument i think the most revealing thing you said there james was the reference to the colonies it that was uh, i'm sure that was an unintentional slip uh, but it's it's revealing that you, you all don't actually recognize us as an independent entity. I, I realize that now. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> old instincts old, old die hard, you know. <laughs> that is and, yet, and yet we have a clear conscience. It's a very old instinct, James. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was gonna I was gonna ask if you think this is plausible. Uh, Paul is charged with creating dissension and being a pest in the Roman empire. And he comes along and says, I'm not doing anything except what all the Jews do. I worship the same God, the God of our fathers. Uh, I believe all the things that are written in the law and the prophets. I have a hope in God, which is the hope of Israel. We're all in this together. We Jews, uh, to what extent is he trying to implicate the Jews themselves in the charges that they brought against him? Is that, is that part of the, so if the if the Jews are charging him with dissension, then it kind of uh, it kind of bounces back. <laughs> He's rubber and their glue; it bounces off of Paul and sticks to them. Is that plausible? Well, in verse twenty one, he refers back again to what he said in the council, and appears to um, and, and this might be his attempt to again, uh, as uh, the uh, Tribune said, you know, this is all. A Jewish affair. It has it has no business before uh, Felix. Yeah, and I, I guess the, uh, maybe to put the uh, question a little bit differently, the is Paul trying to suggest that the Jews themselves are sources of turmoil? And I mean, we know that they are from the narrative, but is Paul implying that by the way he associates himself with Jews? And so, if if they're going to charge him with dissension, then uh, they're all in the same boat together. Is that is that a, or is that too too subtle an implication to take from this? Whether or not he's making that claim, you can imagine it having that rhetorical effect that um, the authorities would just think these Jews are constantly coming up with these issues and these conflicts, and here's just another man who's brought forward who. The response would be a plague on both of your houses. I mean, why are we having to adjudicate in these constant flare-ups with Jewish Jewish sects? Right. Another part of Paul's defense is that he was in Jerusalem uh, not to stir up any kind of dissension or to uh, undermine Jew, uh, Jew, Judaism, the Jews, or their Jew, the Jewish leaders. But instead, he's there to benefit them. Verse 17 is uh, a, a, one of the rare references to this collection we know from his epistles. After several years, I came to bring alms to my nation to present offerings. So he's pious. He's presenting offerings and worshiping 
in the temple, but he's also there to benefit his people, not to destroy them. Um, so again, the the charges are the exact opposite of what Paul's claiming to do. He's worshiping faithfully, uh, and he is uh, he's he's just uh, spent a couple of years collecting funds for relief uh, and taking it to Jerusalem. So after this, Felix wants to wait until Lysias the Tribune comes down to decide the case and uh, gives Paul some freedom. It says that he has an accurate, a rather accurate knowledge of the way. Um, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that uh, you know knowledge of the Christian faith has spread all over the place, and maybe Felix also, since he's in Caesarea, has had some interaction with. Um, uh, oh, oh, come on! Just his name just flew out of my head with Cornelius. So that's that's rather fascinating, and he's married to a Jew, Drusilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this guy. So these these Roman rulers are not acting from ignorance. They have some knowledge of what has happened and what's been going on. Mm-hmm. What What do you all make of the fact that? Uh Paul appears in verse 24, Paul appears before Felix and Drusilla both. Um, in a couple of chapters, when Paul stands before Agrippa, the point is, there's a, Luke makes a point of saying that Agrippa is there along with Bernice. Uh, so there's this man and woman that uh, Paul appears before in both of those cases. Um, what particular, why is uh, Luke making that, highlighting that fact in these, these couple of cases, these couple of trials? In Luke's account, it seems that um, Jesus's early movement and also the movement of the early church both found significant support from wealthy and well-connected women. And so having someone like Drusilla, she might have had more connections within her circles um, than um, Felix would have in his. And her attentiveness maybe suggests something of the gender dynamics of the early Christian movement. We have also Pilate's wife, of course, as another example. Right, right. Yeah, so that there's that uh, link with Jesus' trial and uh, the trials of Paul that uh, you mentioned earlier, Alastair. I want to come back to uh, kind of reemphasize what Jeff was saying earlier about uh, the uh, resurrection of the righteous and the wicked and the way that uh, Paul speaks and teaches to Felix. Verse 25 is, again, a, a a notable way for Luke to describe what Paul uh, would communicate to somebody like Felix. You know, this uh, righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come is a summary of the things that Paul says. Again, to reiterate, that doesn't seem like it. That wouldn't be a good summary of what most uh, preachers or evangelists would say today in this kind of setting. You wouldn't wouldn't summarize a self-control would it play a role at all? I don't know. Righteousness may be justification, but that's not what uh, Luke says Paul's discussion is about. So th- that's, that is a summary of the, uh, the teaching that Paul communicates is, is notable. Uh, any, any thoughts on what, how to take that? How is that, a summary of, how is that a summary of Paul's teaching? Righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment would be the key messages for a person who's acting as an authority and a ruler. 
and a judge. It would seem that these are the places where the Christian message would most come to bear upon that particular office. And so he's speaking perhaps to um, Felix in his official capacity here as one who is called to submission to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, um, as one who needs to recognize the authority of justice established through the resurrection and the ascension. And in that recognition, Felix as an individual um, is implicated, but also Felix as a ruler um, is also implicated. So I suspect that's part of why these particular things are emphasized. Self-control was a classic virtue for rulers. Mm-hmm. Right. I was thinking the same thing. Uh, it's a very pointed message. Uh, there's another connection here. Peter, you asked about the wives coming along. And I've got a note here in my notes about Drusilla uh, being first the teenage bride of Jesus, the king of Emesa, and apparently Felix had lusted after her and uh, gotten her in some way. And I don't, I don't know all the details. And it it, it, it kind of reminds me of Herod Antipas back in yeah. uh, the gospel stories with Jesus, who is confronted by John the Baptist for taking Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Oh. And I'm wondering if the self-control here is a pointed reference to the way Felix has misbehaved in relationship to Drusilla, uh, and that's why he gets alarmed and asks them to go away. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And I think that the, the um, Alistair's comment are also it's also very interesting the uh, the idea that Paul has a specifically tailored message for rulers uh, that he would be able to teach and preach them in a, in a, in a way that particularly uh, applies to their, to their standing. Uh, he's a political, he's got a political theology as well as just a generic, um, if he ever has a generic uh, evangelistic message, but that's, I mean, that's been true all the way through. He's got, he tailors his message to Jewish audiences. Uh, he's, a, he says his uh, same message differently still about the resurrection of Jesus, but it's different uh, to the Athenians. It's different between to Roman authorities. Same message, but it's uh, tailored differently. Uh, but that that uh, uh, dis- uh, uh, further dispels this this passage, as Alistair has interpreted, would further dispel any idea that Paul is just a missionary with a kind of gospel of private salvation, individual salvation. He's got a message for for kings and rulers, as you would expect him to have, because uh, he's proclaiming the kingship of Jesus. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great point. I mean, it obviously fits in with broader gospel proclamations. So, you know, Jesus says explicitly when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So there are the two common elements there, righteousness and judgment. But um, here, I'm not saying he doesn't have a problem with <laughs> sin, but, you know, he's particularly stressed or stressed self-control. Um, or I think probably King James has temperance but there there is a need for felix to act in a um a calculated um way not borne along by passions um but to be a um a a, a calm and and just um and just judge uh, felix is um uh, he listens to paul but as jeff pointed out earlier he becomes frightened verse 25 tells us uh, and then he strings on, strings out uh, paul's 
incarceration. Verse 26 says, in the hope that he he would have a bribe, that uh, Paul's friends would be able to gather money in order to pay him to be released. Uh, Felix has certain qualities of uh, a just ruler. He's uh, open to listening to Paul, uh, but we have this complex picture of a of a self-interested ruler who's uh, willing to take bribes, expecting bribes, trying to arrange things, it seems, in order to receive bribes. Uh, And uh, Alistair's made this point a number of times in our studies in Acts, how the Roman authorities are being depicted uh, as uh, in ways similar to the way Pilate was depicted. Pilate declared innocence for Jesus. The Roman authorities declare uh, the apostles innocent, uh, but that doesn't make them just rulers. whatever semblance of justice they have is undermined by these other uh, unjust practices, the willingness to be swayed by money. Expecting a bribe from um, someone like Paul suggests that Felix thought that Paul either had wealthy connections or was wealthy himself, presumably not that he was wealthy himself as he was a traveling missionary, but he has all these connections in positions of power. He has We've seen some of those connections already in the previous chapter. His nephew has news of what's going on in the um, Sanhedrin and among the plotters. And then elsewhere, we have maybe the knowledge of people like Cornelius and others in Caesarea who are supporters who would be people of wealth. And it gives us maybe some sense of the um, authorities' desire to use the church as a realm of connections for their advantage, um, that if they could only get a bribe in this situation, um, they might be willing to let them alone. One thing I was thinking about was this reading Paul's approach to the authorities. Um, It reminds me of the passage or the, the scene in A Man for All Seasons where Thomas More is talking with Will Roper and they, um, emphasis upon the value of the law and giving the devil the benefit of the doubt that you have all these different laws that are set up that people can run to in times of trouble it's this great forest as it were this thicket of laws and paul makes a run for the laws it is very interesting to see how he takes advantage of these structures even with unjust rulers and uses them as a means of cunning and shrewdness um, to maintain the gospel, even in situations where there are these great adversaries raised up against him. Mm. Yeah. Can I just come back quickly to Peter's original comment here that all this is revolving and orbed around the the resurrection. Um, The resurrection is Paul's particular hope. And so it's it's sectarian in a sense. It divides the Pharisees from the others, but it, it shouldn't be. It should be the hope of all Jews. And I think this is part of Luke's burden in these chapters to show that the gospel can work in in all settings. Um, it has convicted Jews and Gentiles alike in Israel, and it's worked in pagan cultures like Corinth and Ephesus. And here I think Luke is showing that it can be subjected to scrutiny, um, and its, its ambassadors can be subjected to scrutiny, and it can work in a legal setting and religious setting. And I just feel that this is very much what people need to know and be shown about the gospel today, that it works in all settings as a way to raise and educate children. It works in academia. It works in city jobs and, and so forth. And I think this is something Luke's bringing out very clearly in these chapters. 
Thank you again for enjoying this episode of the Theopolis Podcast. For more information and for more content from Theopolis, you can check us out online at theopolisinstitute.com. We release new articles every Tuesday and Thursday on our blog, so you'll want to make sure to look out for those. You can also find us on Twitter at underscore Theopolis and on Facebook if you just search for our name. If you've been helped, sharpened, and encouraged by this podcast, we'd really love it if you would go to iTunes and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds, and it really will help us along in getting our content in front of new listeners. That's all for now, friends. We really look forward to being with you all again in the next episode. And as always, thank you so much for listening.